This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. This is Jeff Gobb here at PWG for Tremendous... I don't even know the name of the show, but you're listening to Busted Wide Open. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 169. My name is Nick Howell. And the real rock and roller versus the Ayatollah of rock and roller every Wednesday. Oh my God, we are blessed. I am <laughs> Sir Ian Dangerous, and welcome to our Saturday show, which is... Well, we're, we're going a little old school today, Nick. We're going back yes. to what we used to do, <laughs> which is uh, just audio today, I'm afraid, because somebody had to go take a Vegas vacation and hang out at the Mandalay Bay. How, is, how are Let- your digs there, sir? Uh, the digs are very nice, and let me let's make one thing perfectly clear: this ain't a vacation. Nick's here to work. <laughs> Nick's going to be spending <laughs> okay. eighteen-hour days uh, doing a trade show for the next three to four days. So, yeah, not uh, not to give away the podcast or anything. We're not going to let that slide because we got oh my god, so much wrestling to talk about this week. Yeah, no, we, there was no way we could have taken a break on that. So we are doing the best we can, everybody. Thank you for hanging in there, and thank you for joining us today. Yes. Nick, let's tell everyone where they can find us and how they can support the show, and then let's start talking about all of the, all of the wrestling that happened in the last few days. Good Lord, it was a crazy week. Yeah, it was. But guys, come hang out in the Facebook group with us. Just search Facebook for Busted Wide Open. Give us a like on the page and send us a join request to get in the group. That is the hub of our operation and where all the good times happen. But you also want to get in on our Discord server right after that because that's where all the live chats happen for every show throughout the week as well as every pay-per-view. We have dedicated, spoilerific conversations that go on infinitely uh, throughout all of the major shows. WWE... Sasha Banks, WWE, AEW, New Japan, NXT, everything. We have dedicated channels just for it, including one for the upcoming Crown Jewel pay-per-view happening later this week and uh, Survivor Series happening as well as Fuel fuel Rod, Full full Rod, Full 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 Throttle. I don't even full, know what it's called. Full, I don't, I don't full know gear, what it's AEW show that's coming in a couple of weeks. We definitely have some in there. So join us in the Discord. Come uh, give us a follow on our Twitter and Instagram accounts at BWO Podcast. Uh, streaming live, except for this week, every Tuesday at 8, at 8 p.m. Eastern and every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern on YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open is where you can find us there. We are on a race to 1,000 subscribers. So make sure you're subscribed to the channel and got that little notification bell checked 
so that you get alerted anytime we put up new videos and new content or go live for one of our major episodes. And last but certainly not least, we want to thank all of our patrons. Thank you guys so much for being a supporting member of this, the fuel of our machine that is the Busted Wide Open podcast. And uh, if you would like to get in on some of that, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers, such as the ability to get listener questions for our weekly series called Patron Mailbag that we're now live streaming as a separate series on our YouTube channel. We get to spend a little bit more time uh, and dedicate some more attention to those wonderful questions that our listeners send in. But you got to be a $5 patron to be able to do that. Bonus episodes at the $10 tier, sweet swag at the higher tiers, all kinds of good stuff over at patreon.com slash BWO. But Ian, man, a lot happened this week. Yes, sir. This is our big show, and for a reason. It's going to continue to be so, because we got to talk about AEW today, NXT, SmackDown on Friday nights, plus a whole bunch of other stuff. Nick, normally we start off with SmackDown, but it was on FS1 this week, and I don't know if it was because of that or the go-home show to Crown Jewel or, or what it was, but frankly, SmackDown was... Well, it was kind of a dumpster fire this week, so I put it later on on our show today because I just had to start the show talking about AEW. Well, to get into AEW this week, you really have to understand what's been happening with the developments around Chris Jericho's current title reign, the formation of the Inner Circle, uh, the relationship that he's had with Cody, the differentiation of what MJF is or isn't doing that we still really don't understand. There's a lot that went on this week. Yeah, and it was AEW. a lot of fun. We had, we had two hours of plot, and then we also had two hours of nonstop wrestling. In fact, the show started off in the middle of an announcement for a match. There was no promo to start the show. There was no pyro. We started off at, oh my God, we're having a match. And not just any match, it was one of the semifinals of the Tag Team Championship Tournament, this time between the Private Party and the Lucha Brothers, uh, one of the hottest rising young teams, and then one of the best tag teams in the world. Uh, First of all, this was a really exciting match to start off the show. It really hyped up everyone that I know who saw it. That being said, watching it, it was to me, very apparent how much smoother and how much more experienced Lucha Brothers were. It made sense that they won this match, ultimately, because to me, it felt like Private Party uh, kind of lost steam as the match went on. And I'm not sure if that was intentional, if that was the story. It seemed like it was subtle enough that it, it, it could have been either way. But to me, it almost felt like they got a little bit lost about halfway through this match. How did you how did you rate this match? How did you feel about this match, Nick? I uh, it certainly over-delivered from my perspective. I, that's the word I I wanted to use. I did not expect that kind of match to come out of, you know, this this sort of thing. But at, when I think more about it, it was one of the quarter was it the quarterfinals or semifinal? It was one of the final four the sem- matches uh, or, or teams, right? So, yeah, it starting out hot. I think it over-delivered. Uh, I think Private Party has surprised a lot of people with victories over the Bucks as far as they've made it into the tournament and everything. But yeah, when you look at the endurance and the pedigree and the the just the work rate that the Lucha Brothers have been, it's going to come down to stamina and endurance. And man, they just that you they could not the Private Party threw everything they had at the Lucha Brothers and Pentagon and Phoenix just kept going, man. Yeah, and I'm not even talking just about in story. That that's the thing that was was interesting to me is it it worked. For the story, but I feel like uh, Private Party is a bit of a younger, more inexperienced team 
they did kind of get plucked off the indies by AEW. And it was interesting here where I really couldn't tell if it was just their inexperience that was legitimately starting to show by the end of the match or if that was just the story. Either way, it, it worked. It worked, although it did leave me... It, it, didn't, it wasn't as exciting a match as Private Party Young Bucks. I'll put it that way. But uh, it, it was interesting to watch. It was a fun match for sure. A great way to open the show. We yeah. also had another tag team match, which was SCU versus the Dark Order, also the semifinal for the Tag Team Championship Tournament. Uh, it was, it was strange because a couple of things happened in this match that I was not expecting. One, in the middle of the match, we had a bit of an interruption where the inner circle came out, said, showed that they all had tickets and made their way up to one of the box seats, which really kind of broke down the, the middle of the match. It made the, all the crowd pay attention to the inner circle and kind of lose interest in the match. You could see them all turn around, right? Yeah. You, you know, the entire audience just turned around and watched them instead of watching the match. And you could see Frankie Kazarian starting to get like visibly upset in the ring uh, <laughs> that, hey, guys, uh, there's a match going on to, here. I'm trying to do a match here. Yeah. yeah, like Evil Uno at the time was, I think, working uh, Kazarian in the ring. And they, you could see them both like looking over their shoulders like, all right, are they done yet? And they were able to pull them back into the match because they're pros. But that was an interesting decision. Uh, you know, I, I also, I get storyline-wise why they did it. They did do it in the middle of the match, allowed the guy, the guys put on some rest holds and just kind of paused the match while they did it. But the other thing that was strange to me was, given the momentum, I think, that they were trying to put under Dark Order, it was strange to see them go out quite so easily because SCU did pick up the victory here completely clean. And there was no interference from... The, uh, the minions from the, the Evil Order's minions, the Dark Order's minions, it was just a straight-up match, and SCU won. I ultimately think, and, and tell me what you think, Nick, I think it's a smart idea to have the finals be SCU, especially given the uh, storyline they started last week with uh, the Lucha Brothers taking out Chris, A- or Chris Angel. <laughs> the fallen <laughs> angel, Christopher Daniels. Ouch. Sorry, Chris. Um but uh, that made a lot more sense that they would have that be the finals than have Dark Order go all the way because I feel like they haven't quite presented Dark Order well enough yet. Does, do you know what I'm saying there? Do you, do, you, do you feel what I mean? I do, and they came out hot representing them you know, giving them those some of those squash matches when they first started, uh, whether it was in the pay-per-views or whatever. But when they announced this tournament, they gave Dark Order a buy. Yeah. So it was one of those things where you're like, holy shit, okay, we're, we're all in on Dark Order at this point. But I, I had some different things that, like, I thought maybe we'd get an SCU, maybe a Scorpio Sky run-in just to get one back during the Private Party Lucha Bros match, you know, somehow to mess them up. But then I, was, I started just getting in my own head about that stuff. This all played out pretty straightforward, and we end up with a good storyline final of SCU and Lucha Bros, like you were describing there. Yeah. So I wanted some other interjections and some interferences to build some story. You know, maybe Scorpio Sky just couldn't wait, and he had to go out and get get one back for, for Chris Daniels uh, during the, the Lucha Bros private party match. just didn't ultimately happen. I, I, I kind of expected that, but... But I you like know. this better, where they, they settle it in the finals of this tournament. And it's yeah. funny, I think the only team that really didn't get to look good in this tournament was the best friends. You had the Young Bucks, who came in as you know one of the early favorites, and they went out to Private Party, which was the right decision. The Young Bucks are the Young Bucks. They're going to be just fine. So Private Party gets a nice win there. Uh, Lucha Brothers and SCU in the finals, so they're obviously fine. Dark Order gets a bye, so that keeps them looking strong because they came in looking strong. But then Best Friends, not only do they lose... 
uh, in the tournament, but then they went on and had a, a, a match with the Young Bucks later where they lost again. And, you know, the stakes of that match were pretty much established as, uh, you know, the, the Young Bucks and Best Friends both lost in the tournament. They need to get the momentum back. They need a win in the win column. And it's about as, as thin of an explanation for stakes of a match as you're going to get in AEW without turning into WWE where the stakes right. don't matter and there is no explanation. So it's interesting that only the Best Friends came out not getting a little bit of a rub on this. Uh, but it's something, it's something just I'm, I'm pondering in terms of how they're writing their storylines is they're... They're mostly doing a good job of making everyone look good, and I'm just wondering if they have plans for the best friends down the road. I'm 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 happy to wait and see. I'll put it that way. Because there was so a backstage far, moment we had with the best friends where they were they had their dressing room or whatever, or they were over at their house. No, I'm sorry, that was completely wrong. That was on YouTube. That see here's <laughs> this highlights something that I wanted to talk about this week. <sighs> the lines between what's going on with AEW on YouTube. There's now like three or four different shows series on you you've got being the elite you've got the road to stuff you've got aew dark and then they just started a new one where they're doing like ordering room service on the road and two different teams coming like the this week it was the bucks and chucky t and uh so i i I got to see that the best friends doing something it was just on youtube and it's kind of the mindset that what they're doing is working it's it's one big universe of AEW, where it's right. now the elite stuff and the dark and everything's just blurring together. It's like you guys just witnessed. It's it's working. What they're trying to do is working. Well, and also, you know, one of the one of the topics that a lot of people are, are discussing is ratings right now, and we'll get into that in our in our news segment later. But one of the things that they're I think accomplishing with this is the fact that a lot of pe- younger people don't consume strictly as it's live on TV. Yeah. That's not how they consume their media. They, it's it's across all spectrums. Whether they watch it on YouTube or uh, you know save them save it in a box or or uh, stream it later or whatever it is that they do. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to consume the information. So having a, cl- a multi cross platform experience, I think, is a smart way of uh, of doing it. We have a lot of listeners and fans of this show that actually don't watch the TV programming; they just listen to us. So that's another medium that they're sure, consuming information, right? We could we could theoretically count as that, yeah, yeah. And but that's also to do with just how much stuff there is out there. Like you know, just even trying to keep up for this show is overwhelming, you know. And that's and I can't even imagine uh, if I was trying to actually watch literally everything that was out there because there is just so freaking much. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's, it's no, a competition it's, for your eyeballs. That's and your ear holes, and that's what it comes down to. You know, right. there's so many wrestling podcasts and shows out there now trying to to capture your the lion's share of the content. So it it, it blurs those lines as well. Who, yeah. where are these fans that don't watch the TV getting their information from? Is it an accurate source? And you know, you end up with all these clickbaity sites that it, it's all one <laughs> big thing, right? That sure. it, it's it's one big problem. Where we get a spread of misinformation and all, like I don't want to get into that side of the world, but there's so much going on right now. It's not just the shows themselves, the auxiliary content outside of what's actually being broadcast on television is a whole other side of this industry. Well, the smart thing about it as well is that if you are doing uh, a lot of other stuff on YouTube throughout the week, plus not only you have your Wednesday show, next week you've got the Tuesday Dark AEW Dark, and then you've got 
internet shows happening on multiple different uh, multiple different channels throughout right. the rest of the week, you're keeping eyes on your product all week long. If someone wants to be a dedicated AEW follower, you've got lots of stuff to watch all week long, and it keeps your mind on AEW. So I think in that sense, it's a it's a pretty smart move. Yep. Um, another thing that happened was surprisingly enough a rematch: Kenny Omega versus Joey Janela. They made it make sense, though. Uh, thank God, oh, Nick. A logical explanation. Uh, it's funny because this was apparently a last-minute call by Tony Khan because the Kenny Omega Joey Janela match on AEW Dark was so well received. They decided to have another one. Tony Khan thought it would be a good idea to have it on TV, but they found a way to make it make sense because the other match was a unsanctioned match. This one was a sanctioned match because they thought, "Hey, well, let's actually have it for real for you know to to count whether it's going to count now. It's going to count." towards your win-loss record, even though the, uh, the other match between Janela and Moxley, I think, did count as well. But whatever. I think they'll, they'll sort that out as, as things go on. But I like the fact that that was how they explained this, was, okay, let's do it again, but this time it counts. And no, right. like, chairs and thumbtacks and whatnot. Yeah. But uh, no, there weren't any thumbtacks. I'm thinking of the... Uh, uh, see, there's so much wrestling, my mind is... Is You're getting into the John Moxley muddled. match where he dropped Joey Janela on his bare feet. Oh I'm, God! I'm actually no, I'm oh. actually I'm thinking of Brian Cage and Sammy Callahan is what I'm thinking of. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> but at any rate, but yeah, so we had a Kenny Omega Joey Janela rematch, and here was the first interesting thing I saw about this. Kenny comes out and he's announced as the Mega Campeon de de Triple A because he just won the Triple A Mega Champion belt off of Phoenix this last weekend which I thought was very interesting. They never announced Moxley as the NJPW U.S. champ, but here they're announcing, because they have an actual association with AAA, but they're announcing Kenny, and they're saying he's going to defend that championship, but he doesn't bring out the belt. And I thought that was interesting. Why do you, why do you think? I have my own opinion on why, but why do you think he didn't bring out the belt, but they did announce him as the champ? For the same reason Moxley didn't walk out with the, the NJPW U.S. title. You know, at the same time, it's, I, I don't want them there promoting AAA, even though we had a, a, a tag match for the AAA tag titles between Lucha Bros and uh, Young Bucks when that was going on. They brought the AAA tag titles out. Right, and so they challenged I, for them. Where's the line? You know, th- where is the difference between the here's two? Here's my theory. Here's my okay. theory, because you made a, a perfect point, is that the, the Lucha Brothers and, the, and Young Bucks brought out the titles. Kenny wasn't being challenged for the title. Had Joey been challenging for the title, I think he might have brought it out. That's the only thing I can think of that would have made sense. Okay. So that's, that's kind of what I'm guessing here because they did Do announce Do you think Joey will ultimately, based on these last couple of matches, challenge for the AAA title? No, I don't. Joey doesn't have any association with AAA, one. I don't think they would like his style of wrestling down there, two. And three, he just lost to Kenny Omega twice in a row. So, Fair. yeah, he's got... No reason you haven't earned your opportunity, even if they would. Uh, right, exactly. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a little worried about Joey finding his place. He's lost time and time again, which may just be his thing, is go out there and have matches where he gets the crap beat out of him. Um, but, yeah, I don't think he's won a match yet. Maybe that's his, maybe that's his idea. I'm going to be the Brooklyn Brawler of AEW. But uh, who knows? I mean, which would be, I, I don't know. If, if he's going to go out there and have matches like this with Kenny, then knock yourself out, brother. Yeah, I'll watch. I'll watch these matches. All I've watched the unsanctioned match a couple of extra times. Oh it's yeah, just so good. <laughs> it's that's my jam. Like that match was. If you want to describe like Nick's favorite kind of of wrestling match exhibition, that was it. Just no hold, no holds barred. 
everything. Bring all the weapons in. Even the broom with the barbed wire. Fine. It's fine. God. I know how much you hate it, but just fine. Bring in it doesn't the stops, matter. The stop sign. Yeah. The kitchen sink. Uh, at least there wasn't a ref there to stop the match. Oh! Well, we'll get to that. Well, there's I've mm, I've got something to talk about with that this week, actually. Uh, that actually has to do with AEW, but we'll get into that later. Yeah. But yeah, so Kenny Omega versus Joey Janela. Joey Janela shows he can wrestle. This was a fun match as well. And this doesn't even get into the uh, the fact that after this match was probably the most entertaining thing on the show. AEW across the board, it was putting on an entertaining show from open to close. The matches had meaning. And even when they, when they didn't, they were entertaining. You know, they gave you a reason to care. And then we had the main focal point of the show, which was Cody came out to, quote, address his future. But he didn't get far into his <laughs> promo in the middle of the ring with Justin Roberts because he started getting all of these uh, air horns from up in the concourse where the inner circle was sitting with their tickets. And they were all had. Well, wasn't it Tony and, in the ring with him? Tony Schiavone was, was in the ring with oh, him. Oh, Tony Schiavone. You're right. I thought yeah, it was and he was. Robertson. He looked more annoyed than Cody did, and I loved that. He <laughs> sold it brilliantly. <laughs> I love that Schiavone went on Twitter and was like, "This is the most fun I've ever had commentating on wrestling because it, yeah. it really does show the dude is having a blast, and it's it's good to see him back. You know, doing what he does, and he's very good at it. So I'm I'm love him hosting AEW Dark too. I, I think yeah. he's really found a groove for himself uh, where he's at right now. No, he, I mean he's. I was glad that he was back in MLW before this, but to see him get this kind of exposure now and the fact that you know it's him and Jr. again, it's it's pretty wild. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so Jericho and the boys minus Jake Hager uh, because Jake was off getting ready for his Bellator match, which we'll discuss later because yeah. that happened last night. <laughs> Uh, they're all up there interrupting Cody. Cody makes like he's going to go up there. He says, you know, Chris, it's not like the place we used to work for where there's an invisible wall between the ring and the crowd. I can come up there and get you. Uh, before we get to what happened after that, let's talk about this, Nick. Should Cody and AEW in general, it's been mostly Cody who's been doing it. Chris has done a little bit too, Jericho. Should they be throwing shots at WWE, or is that petty, or should they be above that? Um, I think it's entertaining, and I think the smarkery out there really likes it. Right. So I, I, I I'm fine with it. I actually, went, I, I even marked out at it a little bit, like, oh shit. But and what about okay? But my, but my question is because there was also a bit of backlash from the the what, I don't even know what to call them the meta smarks, the ones who have gotten beyond it and just are like. Right. <laughs> like meta no smart hashtag meta smart meta smarks the ones who are just like they're 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 smarkier than the smarks i'm so smart oh, i'm God. smarter than the smark <laughs> the smartest smark whoever smarked is smark smurf smurf uh i mean that's that's kind of my question here is like because from an entertainment standpoint look i i'm old enough here <laughs> Back in my day, when they used to throw shade at WWE and other programming, they threw belts in the trash can. Like, they would really throw shade at WWE. Like, it was, it was brutal. This, to me, just comes off as lighthearted tweaking. Like, yeah. things to make people in the audience going, oh, you know what I mean? Like, it's not even, they're not even really shooting shots here. No, it's it's all in good fun. I bet Vince even laughed if if he barely watched it. I'm you know? sure, like it's it's yeah. it's lighthearted tweaking at at stuff that WWE does. I haven't heard them really come out and take a hard shot 
at WWE yet. I ain't nothing like Cody taking the sledgehammer to the throne, right? Yeah. It's, to me, it's not serious enough to take seriously. When they come out and they actually like do a really hard shot at WWE, in my opinion, then we can talk about whether that's it, it, they need to be doing that or not. To me yeah. right now, it's enough to kind of set off the fans they need to be setting off, you know, the, the ones who, wanna, who want to hear this kind of stuff. And if you're the kind that, like, you shouldn't mention WWE at all, you know, it, they're not doing it enough or seriously enough for me to think that it's actually them taking pot shots at WWE. Like, it's no. really, they're not, they're not slinging cannonballs. There's more like, you know, some, some wooden arrows here. So, yeah, I, I think, and this is kind of fun. It's fun, you know what I mean? And I think it will increase the more WWE guys they get in AEW. But at the same time, it's not the center of their programming either. You know what I mean? Like WCW used to do whole matches to thumb their nose at WWE. Right. And they're not doing that. It's occasional, you know, like one-liners, off-the-cuff kind of things. Uh, I, I, I like the way this built, though. I, that's what I want to say. I, you know, from the interruption and just being just being assholes with the little air horns and bam, 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 and it just I'll come up there and he's like, oh, 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 really, Cody? You gonna come up here by yourself? Nope. Cue Dustin's music. Yeah, oh, Cody. Cody's okay. like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's gonna be four on one, and then Dustin comes out. Well, yeah, it's still two on four. All right, then MGF comes out to a huge ovation, which is awesome, uh, and then. It's still three on four. Who should come out? DDP to a huge ovation. And all four of them start marching up there. MJF is flipping the diamond cutter upside down because apparently he's watched Ready to Rumble. And and they all roll up to the concourse where the inner circle locks themselves into the luxury box. And then probably one of my favorite non-wrestling moments in AEW so far happens. Where they look at, you know, the, the inner circle is hiding behind this door, which has a giant plate glass window on the top of it. And Cody just kind of looks at them in there, thumbing their nose at him. And he shakes his head, looks at MJF. Don't even, they don't even say a word to each other. He looks at MJF, nods at him. MJF takes off his scarf, which Jericho had made fun of earlier, which was wonderful irony. Takes yes. off his scarf, hands it to Cody without even hesitating. Cody wraps his hand in it and punches through the window, unlocks the door. They all roll in there and the brawl begins. Uh, awesome. Brilliant little details like that make a segment like this badass. That's memorable. Like, you want to talk, Vince talks about moments, having moments. That's a moment. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a brilliant, small detail that feels badass. And it also shows the current relationship between Cody and MJF. MJF is a douche, but he's also an ass-kissing douche who knows where his bread is buttered. And he's, the, he's also a dude you kind of want on your side even though he's a douche, right? So yep. that was a cool little totally. moment. The, this, uh, this ended up out in the concourse with, with fans. Uh, who was somebody's? I think Cody shoved Jericho's face into the Dippin' Dots, and we got a nice Not line from dippin JR. Dots, Not the Dippin' Dots! Oh, you son of a... Oh, <laughs> poor uh, Dippin' Dots. And, and my best moment, you liked the plate glass thing. I love that as well, but my favorite moment was Jericho being held back emotional crying with his ticket in his hand going i've got a ticket you psychopath (laughs) as so he he was trying to make his case justified for interrupting cody by saying he was just another just a dickhead fan with a ticket and an air horn yeah not to be sir (laughs) michael cole dangerous but vintage jericho 
Vintage Jericho. Yeah, bro, this whole segment was exciting. It was fun. It built story. Cody got taken away by security and, and held on the campus. So it was great. Good stuff. Great middle of the show. Keep us entertained. Build Cody versus Jericho. Great stuff. How do you feel this contrasted to like a WWE brawl? Because we see t- these all the time in WWE. How do you feel like this contrasted with that? We had one with AJ Styles in, I believe, was it Daniel Bryan, where they were going after the merch tables and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, and, and and I think AJ and was And the hot dogs and all that. Mustard. AJ's the good old American Southern boy, loves hot dogs and all that, and yeah. uh, Daniel Bryan is trying to be Mr. Eco Heel that he was earlier this year. Yes. That, that to me, was about as close as... as WWE gets to what how good this was. Uh, usually, it's just it's super tropey. It's not that fun. You're like, okay, yeah, great. Oh, they're oh, he threw him into the trash can. Of course, See, he I did. felt this was super tropey. It just was over quick enough that I didn't get sick of it. Right. I think that Thank this was you. actually very it close to timing. WWE's. It just wasn't drawn out, and you weren't sitting there going, all right, all right. When are they going to? When are they going to get the mustard? Because Vince Vince loves mustard on things. If you've ever noticed, by the way, if you have a brawl and there's mustard around, someone's going to get mustard on them. Because yellow looks really good on TV. It's the color. It's the color contrast. It's the reason why it's one of the color bars when they you, do testing. You anyway. might be right. Do you have any idea how hard it is to get mustard out of clothing? I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this was a great segment. And uh, as I mentioned, we also had Best Friends versus Young Bucks, where the Young Bucks accepted the challenge from Santana, Santana and Ortiz. Um, we also had a women's match. Jamie Hayter. Nice from stardom. All right. She's going to be here, too, versus Britt Baker. Britt Baker picking up the win with a locked jaw. What was that was tra- awesome, by the way. Yeah, it's nice finishing. Nice nice uh, addition to a submission move for the nice finisher. Nice take on the mandible claw there, and as a dentist, and it all kind of makes sense. I, I love that. I, I love that as her kind of submission finisher. I will say this, though. I really feel like of all of the major organizations right now, I feel like AEW is the furthest behind in terms of their women's division. Yeah, and, it does and, feel that way. And it's it's just the ring work is it's fine. Uh, it's there. They've had a couple of decent matches. They've had a, had a couple of pretty good matches, but it's not consistently on the level that NXT or even the WWE main roster is. Well, I think I talked about this last week. This summer, throughout all of the build to things like All Out and a couple of the pay-per-views we had, we also had the content on YouTube of building up AEW on its own that had Brandy Rhodes going around and signing Britt Baker and Nyla Rose and Allie and you know Kylie Ray, who is now gone. But, I mean, there was this build to what was going to be, oh, my God, this is going to be an amazing women's division. And now it rehose your champ. And we're not really seeing rematches. We're not really seeing anybody contending for the title. It still feels like they're developing it or whatever they did this summer. Like, where's Awesome Kong? Right. You know? So all of that feels like it was for naught or it was kind of a waste of time because none of the stuff they built this summer outside of Britt Baker uh, has been leveraged so far. So that's my only take on it. And there was a strange thing in the back where after losing, Jamie Hayter was getting interviewed. And before she even got anywhere in the interview... uh, it was it was completely weird where you have Brandy step in and shove Jamie Hader out of the way and then get up in the interviewer's face and just kind of point at her without saying something for a second and then just storms off. And that was the end of the segment. And I was trying to think what could have possibly been the purpose of that. Um, I remember when 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 she, when Brandy was working in Stardom, she had her jaw broken, and I thought that would have had something to do with, if I remember correctly, it had something to do 
with uh, Jamie Hader or Bea Priestley, but I looked it up and it didn't. So I don't know if they're building an angle because of that. Uh, I suppose they could rejigger history and make something happen there. But even then, I'm like, what's where are we going with this? Uh, Brandy announced she's not she's not going to be Cody's valet anymore. So yeah, I just I, I'm not convinced their women's division has all the pieces it needs or all of the storylines it needs yet i think it's their weakest it needs it it needs its top of the card where you've got a Britt baker and a bia Priestley just in a in a in a main feud like they haven't really established who's who yet but but riho is the most over of anyone in the women's division right now i think hands down but the put nyla in there too Nyla, but she's you know she's working heel, but uh, sure. and 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 there's certainly divisiveness about her. But I think that Riho is the most over in terms of like a, a character just across the board. But uh, as we've mentioned before on this show, and I think is fairly conventional wisdom, she's not even as good as Kyrie Sane or Momo Watanabe or Asuka. Like she's not on their level by a, a hefty margin. Yeah. So and if she's your she's your top, and we're just I'm just talking about Japanese talent right there. Uh, and then you've got Britt Baker, who to me is very good, but she's also she's not she's not main event yet. I don't think no. she's anywhere as good as someone like a Rhea Ripley or a Bianca Belair or sure or anything or, or even Still Candice a little, LeRae. Little bit of green, little bit of amateur in it's her that something. we've got to yeah. we've got to rub, rub that off and polish a little bit. But I she'll come around. But, Give but her six you see months. What I'm saying? You know? Like for for like there was rumors that Tessa Blanchard's uh, contract was up within the next month over the last week. It's not true. Her contract's not up until next summer. But if I'm AEW, I am sitting there like a damn vulture on the fence waiting for Tessa's contract to come up because you need a piece like Tessa Blanchard in this division. Bad. You need someone like that who is a legit star who comes out and has the star presence because, frankly, no one they have right now with the exception of maybe Awesome Kong. Uh, and I think Nyla has a presence, but she just hasn't had enough. Uh, people aren't used to her yet. But I, there's no one else really that that's giving me that feeling of being a main eventer, of if, being a if star. I'm, if I'm Tony Khan, I'm going to take it one step further, and I'm looking at Impact myself as a vulture. You know how 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 many zeros do I need to put in the check to well, just absorb all your talent? There's a lot of women there who have signed longer contracts who are, who are going to be under contract for a while. Impact was very smart. That's that's what I mean. <laughs> Getting their how, how can I there. how can I go up one level and just absorb? All of your existing contracts. How many? How, tell me how many zeros oh, you're talking you about. AW buying impact. Yeah, yeah. Oh it can't god. be that much. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry, impact fans. God, I, damn. listen. The the promotion itself and the events that they're putting on. We saw Bound for Glory. We also had an amazing slam anniversary this year. But outside of oh that, oh my god. I don't think you understand of- how business works. Their impact's not selling to AW <laughs> sure. right now. Okay. I I. I I understand where you're going, and this is going to be a great YouTube clip. Nick Howell shoots hard on Impact Wrestling. <laughs> It'll be everywhere, right under Simon Gotch. But no, right. I, I don't see I don't see Impact as selling out anytime soon. Ring of Honor is more in, dangerous, in danger of that. But we digress significantly. Let's talk about the last match here in AEW because we've got plenty more to get to. Yes. Moxley versus Pack. Is it... Is it Pac or is it is it, is it Pack like uh, pack it up, pack it in, let me begin. I came to win battle me. That's a sin, or is it Tupac? Like there's one of them, and the, and he's number two, and he's gonna drop an elbow on you. I don't know. Which, it's, it's how is like it? Tupac. Is it, is it, is it, is, Pac. Is it Pac? Okay, I've heard it Pac. both ways. I've heard him pronounce it both to. ways too. So anyway, Moxley versus Pac Pac. 
pick pock pick packety pock pick. Uh, this was a great match until the first time that we had the time limit come into play here in AEW. We had this was TV time remaining, which means they can they've got a time limit on this match. And they, sure enough, when they announced five minutes remaining, I started going, "Oh no, they're not going to, are they?" One minute remaining, and they start getting. Uh oh, people start getting worried. Like, are they going to pull it off in time? Who's going to get that last minute finish? And sure enough, right at the end, there's a cover. Nope, kick out. We go to time. It's a non finish. It's a no one, no one wins. What did you feel about this finish? Because, as you know, right now, having a non finish is a touchy subject in the wrestling world. I'm kind of okay with it. And okay. here's why. If you're going to go, much like New Japan, if you're going to go through the effort of constantly announcing every five and ten minutes how much time has gone by or how many ten minutes past, ten minutes past, if you're going to constantly do that, at some point it's inevitable you're going to have a, a, a timeout uh, or a time limit draw. I don't. It's interesting that it's a non-finish versus a time limit draw. Uh, I thought that was interesting, but I'm not mad at this at all. The promos that that Pac was cutting backstage after Moxley attached him attacked him last week, woo with a bloody face, and he just looked went straight into camera. Yeah, my God, and I was overly hyped about this match between these two, just absolute brawlers. I'm surprised just tearing each other was, to shreds. I'm surprised Moxley was able to do the match. I didn't know Pac had an exploding chair. Came out, hit him with a chair, right as a right as a pyro went off. Sounded like he exploded on him. Yeah. Uh, so I I think this match was fantastic. It's a time limit, no finish apparently, and let's see more of it. Frankly, well, and it's, again, it's a way to keep both guys strong. No one gets a yep. loss. No one gets a win. It's a little. It's a little bit disappointing. It was fun to see Moxley hit the ref with a uh, death rider afterwards for which he was reprimanded. And if he does it again, he gets fined, which I guess means you can hit the ref twice because this is the second time he's attacked a ref. You can you get away with, with hitting refs twice and then you get a fine. So it's good to know. I, I, if I was a ref in AEW, I'd be seriously worried for my health right now. Yeah, watch out, guys Red Knox. Get, get two, and Earl, two you can't shots. put hands on Earl Hebner. I wouldn't stop him. I don't. I don't think. I don't think Earl could take a bump anymore. No, <laughs> he might explode no. into dust like Spider Man. Uh, but oh, at the goodness. same time, uh, yeah. So hey, I, and I don't know. I think if you put hands on referee Aubrey, the whole audience will will stab you on the way out. Oh like, god, they'll, they'll, they'll jump, jump the rails. That'd be bad. Yeah. Oh, bad. Uh, but yeah. So now Moxley and and Pac Pack pick 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 pickety Pac pickety Pack Pac. They will. Uh, they're both going for. Uh, looks like Jericho after Cody. I'd imagine they're both going to take their shots up. I think. Uh, well, Moxie's going for Omega still. They got beef. Kenny, yeah. Uh, so we'll see what we'll see where it ends. I, this was just a way to have the, these two guys face each other, but not really have a significant outcome. Keep, Little disappointing. Keep interweaving but, the storylines, you know. But as, as you this, said, this, this is all good stuff. As you said, this is also AEW's way of saying, "See, the time limit matters, so pay yes. attention." So that was nice. Coming up on AEW, AEW Dark this week, we had some dark matches. Uh, Sonny Kiss and Dustin Rhodes versus Peter Avalon and QT Marshall. You had Jimmy Havoc versus Darby Allen versus Jack Evans. I cannot wait to see that match. Guaranteed, it's a barn burner. And They're going to spend more time in the air than they will on the mat. Yeah. Oh, uh, they... they <laughs> There's going to be some crazy shit, that's for sure. Emmy Sakura versus Sadie Gibbs versus Penelope Ford versus Ali. Come on, women's division, prove me wrong. And uh, finally, if you weren't aware, next week, Rick and Morty to AEW. Rick what? And, Rick and Morty to AEW. You heard it here first. Probably not first. But if you didn't know, now you know. Just it, 
trust me. Trust me. If you if you don't know what I'm talking about, just just wait till next week and you'll see. You'll see. Is this going to be another one of those things like Jay and Silent Bob being ringside in the audience for a, a promo of something? It'll be a little, a little bit more, a little bit more so. If you don't know and you don't feel like googling it, just wait till AEW next week. You'll see. Okay. I'm preparing to be very entertained by what they have nice. planned. So, Nick, that is AEW for the week. But that wasn't the only thing that happened on Wednesday because Lord knows the other program had some aces up its sleeve. That means we have to head over and talk about NXT. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> there, there is a lot to unpack about this episode, and we're just going to start with start at the end. Yeah, uh, let's not go through it. We went through AEW like, from front to back. I got to move around NXT. There's no way I can wait till the end of this segment to talk about this. We had two things happen at the end of NXT that absolutely dropped the atomic bomb. Uh, I've, I love the fact that on Wednesday, we get these two shows. AEW putting on a fantastic, just basic, good wrestling show. And then we go over to NXT, and our main event is Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic. Whatever the... Dijak! Okay, Dijak versus Roderick Strong for the North American Championship. And they had... Nick, am I wrong to say this is one of the best TV matches we've ever seen in NXT? I mean, you'd have to go in there and talk about uh, Finn and Shin. No, because that was pay-per-view. So, uh, Sammy, and, Sammy and Shin was pay-per-views. I'm talking TV. Yes. Yeah, it, I'm going to say it's easy, It's already in the match of the year top contendership. Uh, um it's one of the best TV matches, if not the best, yes, on NXT ever, period, ever, I, period. I'm going to put it in my top 10, but it doesn't get above top five for TV of matches. Of the year? Uh, of NXT, in, in TV okay, matches. Okay, uh, Of the year, also, I think it'll be in the top 10, but I'd, I might even be out of the top 10 by the time the year is done. If I think back on some That's of the true. matches this year, like, it was a good match. Let's not get too crazy. I've heard some people call it the best NXT match of all time, to which I say, Kyle O'Reilly, Pete Dunne for the UK title, or... Uh, Adrian Neville versus Kevin Owens, where he deadlifted him. Uh, Oscar Nikki Cross, last woman standing match. Sami Zayn versus Samoa Joe with a two out of three falls, number one contenders match. Or, or, uh, I think it was last year, Mustache Mountain versus the Undisputed Era for the tag yeah. championships. Cesaro's match, was William Regal's last match versus Cesaro. You know, uh, uh, Roderick Strong versus Drew McIntyre. I'm literally just like off the top of my head, some of the best matches I can think of in NXT history. You know, this is this was a really good match. It deserves to be in the the conversation with all of those. But let's not get crazy. It was just a really, really, really good match. Uh, all three of these dudes over delivered, hands down. I, my point is, this could have gone farther. It could have. As, like, Absolutely. We finally saw Dijak whip out his Fosbury flop, which if you didn't know, a six foot seven guy can do a Fosbury flop. Now you know. Uh, <laughs> Keith Lee busted out his topic on Hero. Uh, what? <laughs> we had a. We had them, they botched a stalling Tower of Doom, and it still was one of the coolest things in the match. Like, you had, you had Keith Lee going to powerbomb Dijak off the top rope, who in turn was trying to superplex Roderick Strong, and they were obviously going to try and stall it and have them just stand there with, you know, Strong balanced on top of Dijak, balanced on top of Keith Lee, but they, they couldn't quite get Roderick all the way up, so Keith Lee pulls down on the whole thing and Dijak muscles strong up and they pull it off and Keith Lee uses so much force to throw them down, he flings himself backwards through the ropes. In again, a botched spot and still ridiculously badass. 
This and this match was also nonstop. These three, like this, is how a three-way match should be. Yep. And like, I love Roderick Strong just bouncing off of both of these guys. Like, he would try to run I, at them. And yeah. Boom, he just bounced. I, off I love them. that Roderick Strong, as the bell ringing at the beginning of the match, rolls out, like, and then you have the face-off. <laughs> Screw I this. love that you had the face-off when the ring announcer was announcing them, and you had like spotlights, yeah, floodlights on. Uh, Keith Lee and Dijak. That was a brilliant story. And like they were just facing off. It was, oh, it was, man. It was, this is, All of this, this is was good. Lee Dijak 5, but Roderick Strong at the same time is trying to keep either of them from winning or beating him so he can keep his championship. That was the story. And at one point, they even murdered him on the outside. Dijak gives him a feaster eyes on the outside, and Keith Lee pounces him like out, out, of the, out of the scene. And they just look at each other and go, should we go pin him? Nah, let's get inside and you and I beat each other up. Dijak's like, in the ring! <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. Really fun. Uh, for those of y'all who, who were wondering why we were talking so much about Lee and Dijak when they got, when they got signed, this is why, guys. This is, this is what they do. The best big man matches since Mike Awesome, Masato Tanaka. Basket is glory! Yeah, so this is... It was great stuff. Uh, Strong did retain... He sneakily he gave uh, Keith Lee a knee out of nowhere and and rolled him up and pinned him. But I don't think this is done yet. Oh no, no. we got war games coming up. There's still going to be oh yeah plenty of hostilities. It's just a matter of who goes where. But we had a wrench thrown into that as well because the undisputed era came out to pick the bones after the match was over. Started beating up Keith Lee. So who should come out to save Keith Lee? But why not Champa? Tommaso Champa, that bald bastard. It's son of a. I don't, Can we I don't even call him that anymore? Call him like, face now. Okay, we have to call him Daddy now. Out comes yeah. Daddy. Oh. Out comes Daddy. Hello, Daddy. Tommaso Trompa, it's Daddy. I like his face on the Tron now, too. That was kind of creepy looking. Daddy's face. Daddy's yeah. face is on the Titan Tron. Daddy's here with his crotch. He's here to regulate. Hi, Daddy. Okay, okay, that's enough of that. Uh, so Tommaso Ciampa comes out to the ring with his crutch, and he's not there long before he gets assistance from uh, Johnny Gargano. They kind of have a little tense moment. We're like, oh, I don't know how I feel about you, but all right, enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of DIY thing. DIY chance in the yeah, crowd, and they're right. getting into it. All right. Yeah. And uh, they all face off, and of course, everyone's chanting for you-know-who, Finn Balor, and they get their wish. Out comes Finn Balor himself, who gets in there and stands between Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, and everyone's freaking out because, oh my God, it's Ciampa Gargano and Balor versus the Undisputed Era. This looks great. Finn, what are you doing? Finn Balor, Pele kicks Johnny Gargano in the head. Into the next universe. Levels him. <laughs> Might have been one of the most beautiful Pele kicks I've ever seen in my goddamn life. Johnny, An Undisputed Era like a pack of hyenas just, just pounce on, on Ciampa. Like, while still like casting glances over at Finn, who's just kind of standing there like he's stoned. Like, Gargano sold that like he got shot. The whole, yeah. This whole thing was just so beautifully executed around the, around the board. Uh, Ciampa eats a couple of knees to the face. He's dead. Balor goes outside, drags Gargano around, throws him through the barricade into a bunch of dudes in the audience. There's a little kid who tries to jump Finn Balor as he's beating up Johnny Gargano in the audience. I don't know if you've seen that. Go back and watch it. No. As Finn goes out to collect Johnny Gargano, there's a dad who's holding back his kid because the kid's trying to jump Finn Balor. <laughs> oh, my God. This, is, this kid was it's so mad. It's still real to him. It's still real to that kid. <laughs> oh, it was great. So Finn, then, he gives a Johnny a, just an absolutely, uh, somewhere between a brain buster of doom and like just a, 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 a Rob Van Dam DDT cell. He just murders him on the ramp. 
And then no, that was a lethal brain buster, straight vertical, just nasty on the ramp. And then he gives him. This is where I got chills, Nick. Double guns, points him right, right at Gargano's face. The rock and roller, the real rock and roller is back. And he uh, he even said so later on in the week after SmackDown. He was on uh, on backstage, and Renee was interviewing him, and he said, "You know, I I feel like the prince is back." (gasps) He almost said it. He almost said it, Nick. I what's scary to me is so you were doing your booking for the year, right? Like what you do to book yeah. things. And one of the things you said was Finn Balor goes, Prince Devitt comes out as the Joker. And I was like, it's never gonna happen. Not a WWE. No, they can't do that. Yeah. They can't possibly do that. AJ and the Good Brothers forming up the phenomenal ones. That happened. If Finn Balor comes out as some version of the Joker within the next couple of months, we'll have to figure out some sort of punishment for me because I absolutely crapped all over your head on that. <laughs> Um, but he's not. But I'm telling you right now, he's not going to come out as the Joker because everyone's doing that. But he, fair enough. But we got. But, the, I'm more interested to see if he but stays I around in NXT like, or joins up with AJ and the Good Brothers. Okay, well, again hold in some on. He's staying in NXT. Stop it. That's what, because that's my point. Is you were right about him going, him, him turning and going back to his New Japan kind of kind of ways. But I was right in that he couldn't do it on the main roster. There was no way they could have pulled it off with who he was in the main roster. Now in NXT, yeah, they can pull it off. And as you said, what in the world happens next? Finn Balor even said, if the main roster is Hollywood, NXT is Broadway. And I wanted to go back to my roots the way an actor does when they're getting sick of the machine. Yeah. And mm, mm, what I'll have to say to that is New York, New York. (laughs) Oh, start spreading the news. I'm leaving today. Yeah, Finn. Go back to New York. I love it. Uh, what happens next, man? We got war games coming up. Are we seeing Undisputed Era and Finn Balor versus, let's say, oh, I don't know, uh, Ciampa, Gargano, Keith Lee, Dijak, and Riddle? Oh, <laughs> Jesus H. Christ. Are you kidding me? That's, that's what I'm thinking. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better. I mean, I'm, shit. I'll flip our notes here and talk about the Matt Riddle match next because he had a match with Cameron Grimes, where, which was a great match, great match, but he won. And the only real thing I could see as far as his future coming out of that match was everyone was chanting, Riddle, Riddle, like Goldberg. You know, maybe, that, maybe he's still trying to get a Goldberg match, which would be fun, I guess, in a kayfabe breaking kind of sense. But eh. uh, like he's got nothing to do. Riddle's got nothing to do right now. And he does have some history with the Undisputed Era. So that's kind of why I'm thinking Matt Riddle might join up with this War Games thing. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be a part of it somehow, but I, I don't want him to have a feud with Goldberg. You know, really? Eh, he's already no. in a feud with Goldberg. It's just like kind of real. <laughs> sure, on Twitter. Oh, yeah. that the actual footage of them meeting backstage. Have you seen the actual footage of them meeting? I think so, but oh, you know, it's, it was, so, it's so painful. It's, oh, it's so uncomfortable. It's great. I, I, I want Matt Riddle to not be Braun strowman I would like for Matt Riddle to continue to have legitimate matches and title runs and things like that. Like, let's get him a title run now. He's established himself in NXT for quite some time. Let's get him involved in a title match. How do we do that? How does he get to be a part of this? Put him in the ring. Like- Put him in the ring with a bunch of guys who all hold the belts, like the Undisputed Era. Right, exactly. Okay. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, have him do that. I don't want to see. I want to see him doing that stuff. I, not Goldberg. I think anybody who's involved in the War Games match will be involved in a title picture after that. Yeah, I think. I think Dream is still injured. I don't know how severe his injury is, but apparently it's legit. I don't know how long he's out for. 
but it would make sense to me. I think the original plan was to have Dream in the War Games match, and that's why Riddle is kind of circling. He's he's the he's the backup plan. Is my is my suspicion? Total speculation. I just but, don't want Keith Lee to kill himself on the top and coming off the top of the cage because he will. Oh God, uh, I think that. So again, I I personally think we should team up Keith Lee and DiJack, have them end this kind of like Sheamus and Cesaro, where they end up on a team instead of uh, facing off against each other, or just have them team up for one night. Whatever you want to do, or it could even be interesting. We're having the two of them on one team. You're not sure if the team's going to hold together. You've got Lee and DiJack who hate each other. You've got Gargano and Ciampa. Can they work together? And then there's Riddle there who's just like, I'm just happy to be here, bro. Yeah. I'm so hungry, and I don't know why. <laughs> um, so other things on NXT, we had Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair. We've got a whole bunch of women circling the number one contendership right now. Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair. Both Io Shirai and Candice LeRae come out in the middle of this match, and there's a little bit of scuffle between the two of them. Um, do you think we're going to get like a tag match next week? Because Rhea Ripley goes on to defeat Bianca Belair straight up, which I think makes sense in kayfabe, but I don't know where, I don't know where that leaves Belair. But what, do you think we're having a tag match between these four next week, like Ripley and, and, uh, Bel- uh, and uh, LeRae versus Shirai and Belair? Or I'm going back to the uh, NXT live debut on USA where we had that lights out fatal four way to open the whole show and it ended up with Candice LeRae with the number one contendership and she couldn't get it done. Right. right? So all of a sudden she's inserting herself again and, and I feel like we just did the number one contendership thing. We've also now introduced Rhea Ripley. We haven't seen what we all kind of want, which is evil Shirai getting that one-on-one opportunity. So I, I don't know. I'm a little bit torn right now because I don't want to do the number one contendership thing again, but I still think that's the best way to determine who gets a title shot. This is kind of proving my point that I was making about AEW earlier is any of these four women could be number one contender and you'd go, okay, yeah, they all feel like stars. I, you know, to varying degrees, I would, I would, I would admit, I would agree, but uh, they all feel like, to me, they all feel like they would be bigger stars if they went to AEW, they would be bigger than any other woman they have over there. Right. And physically, exactly. in the case of Rhea Ripley. Um, and Shayna Baszler, the same way, where I think that there's just NXT is just killing it with the women's division right now. And this is, this is, this is just the top. We've also got some other women's uh, stuff going on later in the show that we'll talk about. So, yeah, NXT killing it in the women's division. I'm just happy with this whole top-level picture. Everyone involved in it, great. Don't care where they go. Loving yeah. it. Uh, that being said, if let them fight. Let them fight. Uh, if there's anyone who's going to dethrone Shayna, I think Rhea looks like I don't know how they're going to get Shayna out of that one. If you know what I'm saying, booking wise. Between her and Evil Shirai, yeah, I think that's one of those two has to take that belt off of Shayna. Something. Something's pretty soon there. too. Something's got to happen. Um, yeah, because I, I, I feel like people are turning on Shayna as the champ at this point. Guilty. Yeah. Um, I I still love it, but I can see how people would be getting it would be getting old. We also had Brizongo and Swerve Scott versus the Forgotten Sons. This was interesting. I was very, I was very, I was very threatened in this match in a way because I was just like, "Oh God, I want both of these teams to win." <laughs> I love everybody. Stop making I want my babies to win. Stop making my babies fight. Whereas I was firmly on the side of Brizongo and Swerve Scott. Of course you were. Of course you were. <laughs> then they did win, which I was like, "Oh great." But the problem is, booking wise, what does that do for the Forgotten Sons? We've now traded wins a little bit with these guys. The Forgotten Sons, I think, should be kind of a dominant team. They shouldn't be picking up easy losses. Uh, you know, I mean, Blake sold Swerve Scott's finisher like death. Props there. But at the same time, it was I was kind of like, really? The Suns are going to lose again, huh? What? 
What's our plan with these guys? They're not really over. They kind of have a little bit of X-Pac heat going on here. Brizango's over as hell. Like, that's... I don't know. It's not a good sign for the Forgotten Sons if they're losing like this. I, the way that the way that they staged this match though felt like a showcase for for Killshot for Swerve Scott. Yeah, uh, because he was the like very last minute hot tag coming in, yeah. doing a couple of moves, getting his finisher, and getting the pin. And that's what this whole like everything else that happened in the match is sort of irrelevant. That's the one thing that I took away from the which, match, which he needs because you know he's about to go on two five live next week and, and face Arya Davari. They're trying to build him back up. He lost in the first nice. round of the. Uh, the uh, breakout challenge. So it makes sense to make him look great. But again, I'm just wondering what their plan is with Forgotten Sons, like where they're going to end up because it feels like they're getting forgotten, Nick. And I, where, I'm not where's your boy, Jordan Miles? I, I haven't seen him, really, right, but I've yeah, seen a lot gonna, of Cameron. I've seen a lot of Trevor Lee and a lot, lot of Kill Shot in the last drives, few weeks. A lot of first guy. I do not know where Jordan Miles is. Very weird to have him win the whole thing and then vanish. That is strange. Yep. Very strange. Another person from the uh, breakout tournament we had this week was Angel Garza. He was back and facing Jack Gallagher from 205 Live. They had a fun little match. Lots of, lots of, uh, lots of business in this match, Nick, between uh, <laughs> Gallagher ripping off Angel Garza's pants for him and then both of them rolling around the ring and trying to get a pin on each other. I, I, frankly, from a technical standpoint, I mean, it showed how great both these guys are. But we already knew that about Jack Gallagher. I, I you know, knew it about Angel Garza. So it was... Yeah, this was a fun little match. I, I'm still uncomfortable. I don't. I don't want to see any more of Angels Garza. You know, I. I, just, <laughs> I you have a problem with the, Angels Dong? What's no. wrong with my Garza Gar- Dong? Hashtag hashtag Garza hashtag. Dong. Those tights are just ridiculous. You realize, of course, uh, now that Garza Dong and Finn Dong are both in NXT. Oh, NXT. The, now. the world. The world would explode should they meet in the ring. That's, <laughs> <laughs> Something's going to explode. hey Okay, Hey-o! all right. Well, moving on. We've got it. Uh, so Angel Garza picked up the win here. Uh, again, nice. I think they're rehabbing some of these guys from their losses in that tournament. I wonder, because this was they, they mentioned a lot. Leo Rush was on commentary here. These two guys were like in line. Are they lining up Angel Garza to be a t- uh, contender for Leo Rush's belt? And if so, are they going to defend it on 205 Live or here in NXT? Because Yes, and I hope NXT. Right, but then what's happening to 205 Live? Because the last couple of weeks, we haven't even really talked about it on our show because nothing's really been happening over there. It's it's now feeling like even more of a vestigial program than it was before. I think they've got the venues booked, and they're going to use the time to do the exhibition matches and continue to build story, but I think ultimately at a certain point, it's going to get nixed, and it's just going to be... And they've got two hours to work with on NXT now, and it feels like some of the things are floating a little yeah. bit. Um, so I'm wondering, you can sneak in a cruiserweight match, a, a 10 to 20, 10 to 15 minute cruiserweight match every other week, right? There's no reason they couldn't continue to build that storyline over in NXT. So I, I'm fine with absorbing it. You know, let's let's put that horse out to pasture and or take it out behind the barn. It didn't work out. You know, oh wow! I'll, I'll shoot, I'll shoot hard just like I did on Impact. Oh my god! 205 Live. I love all of the guys. The, the brand had the purple brand that hasn't worked out. Wow. Let's, let's just let's absorb it into NXT and let these guys excel in a place that where they will excel. The only thing about that that I that I'm with you on, like I would I would feel awful if they killed two of five live after all of the work that went into trying to make it happen. I'm not saying that that that, that horse uh, that horse little lane that dog ain't going to hunt. I'm not I'm not quite there yet. I think there's still ways that they could save it if they wanted to. But if this is an absorption thing where they keep it around there as just a, you know, like you said, an exhibition 
uh, around SmackDown of, of these guys and try to make it a commercial for NXT. And NXT really does absorb the top levels of 205 Live. I'm fine with that. Just change the damn belt. Yeah. Change the damn no belt. No more Fisher Price purple belt. No, no more. Let's, no. let's do something Make legit. Make it look legit like the UK title, like the NXT titles. Like the North American Championship. Yes. I, I love that burgundy oh, red color with belt. the big, big wide belt. It's fantastic. Sexy belt. Yeah. yeah. Get a new belt for the cruiserweights. ASAP. We also had a women's tag match, Dakota Kai and the returning Tegan Knox versus Shafir and Duke, Marina Shafir and Jessamine Duke. The number one contenders match for the women's tag team titles. Yay. Interesting. And sure enough, after Knox and Kai win, who should appear immediately on the monitors but the champs, Kyrie Sane and Asuka, who said, we're coming to NXT next week to chat. To, all right, we'll defend it on NXT. What? Kyrie Sane and Asuka? Yelling, yelling in Japanese. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. The whole time because they listen. Oh, uh, and, uh, and okay. So this is how you're getting Asuka and Kyrie Sane back in NXT. All right, all right, I'm fine with that. Uh, I'm in. Yeah, we. I mean, it's, it took them long enough to get the title shot down to NXT for the tag team titles. We've been saying for months, like they've got a ton of women down there. Make a tag team and make it happen. Have them defend against Bourne and, and Aaliyah. Whatever, just have them come down there and be old school yep. Asuka, old school Kyrie Sane. Let them do what they can do. So. Hell yes. I felt like this this match here between uh, Kai Knox, Shafir, and Duke was a little bit muddy, but it's whatever. I, I, Nick, my, <laughs> I took away we're getting Asuka and Kyrie next week in NXT. That's all I care about. Uh, I'm fine with it. Kai and Knox got a little bit of ring rust to knock off, but give them a couple of weeks, they'll be, they'll be back to normal. It's, I'm, yeah. I'm all in on both of those two. After they get knocked off next week. for Oh, geez. Uh, so yeah, of then we seem to have a weird kind of four-way thing going on between Pete Dunn, Tyler Bate, Killian Dane, and Damian Priest. Pete Dunn and Tyler Bate on the same page, but Dane and Priest, kind of their own little thing here. Uh, Dane had his finger snapped by Pete Dunn last week, and he's still looking for revenge. Pete says Damian Priest is not in his rearview mirror. He wants to beat him where Damian Priest doesn't sh- kick him in the nuts, and Tyler Bate's just kind of on Pete Dunn's side. It looks like Bate's going for Dane, and Dunn's going for Priest. Or there's also, you know, Tyler Bate came out and look at he was mad dogging Cameron Grimes after the Matt Riddle match. Like, what are what's going on with all these guys? I don't know. I don't care. Just let them all have at each other <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Because all four of those dudes, yes, please. Yeah. And, and I love the backstage bit with Dane just wrapping his fingers endlessly. Yeah. Like, you try and break them now, Pete Dunn. Right. Yeah. Oh, so, so good. Yeah. No, good stuff. I don't care where these guys ends up. It's a great thing about having a really deep roster is you can just do stuff like this. And I'm like, well... So you've got these five guys all circling each other. You've got the War Games thing all be- apparently is being set up. You've got the Women's Tag Team Championship coming next week. You have a whole bunch of women that look like they're ready for the Women's Championship. Oh, yeah, and Finn Balor's a heel. See you next week. That, honestly, way better than, than AEW in terms of making me want to come back next week. I'll give props where it's due. NXT, I can't freaking wait to watch next week now. And that's what they need. I, I, can't, I can't wait to get more... You know, rock and roller Finn Balor out on actual TV, have let him have a match, all that stuff. I hope we get some of that in the next thirty days. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. they, now people have a real reason to tune in. Um, so AEW next week, I think people will tune in because it has been good. People are going to tune in NXT because what happens next, and that's what every wrestling show should be trying to do: make you go, yep. "What happens next?" 
And so. there's some interesting feedback I've heard from some of our listeners during the live chats. People will say that they love that the cards for the night get announced either in advance or at the top of the show where the, the commentary will run down. Here's what's going to happen tonight. Yes. Here's why you should stick around. And it's almost like WWE is just kind of foregone that. They've just forgotten Yeah, it main roster point. will make its main events at the top of the show and then pretend like you know they had it going a whole time, which is just... right. Bizarre, but do you know, Nick, to talk about that, we need to go talk about SmackDown Live. Um, I, I've got a lot to say about what went down on SmackDown tonight, and you know, there's not a lot positive outside of what happened in the main event, frankly. Uh, this, is, this is one of the worst SmackDown episodes I've seen in a really long time, at least this year. It, it was really, really bad, and it was that way because it was such an on-the-nose wow. commercial. You know, how we, you know how we used to make fun of NXT go-home shows when all they do is they just recap all the storylines going into a takeover? And they don't really. And then on the other side, they would also just... It, we would never really spend that much time on it because it was all just recaps of what happened at TakeOver. Yes. That's what this was this week on SmackDown. And... Not to mention the fact that I was in a panic two minutes before the show because I couldn't find Channel 400 on my Spectrum uh, subscription because uh, it was on FS1. Like, we were on the internet searching for channel guides, yeah. and like I, it, SmackDown didn't have any search. Re- it was a disaster this week. And apparently, WWE had a feeling that a lot of people weren't going to tune in, so they just basically... like You know, last week we said, Nick, they're going to do one of two things. They're either going to try to put on the best show that they can so the people that find them are going to be really satisfied that they did all the hard work, or they're just not going to give a crap and just be like, yeah, screw it. We're on FS1. Let's not even try We have hard. our answer now. Sadly, <laughs> sadly, we know where WWE's, where their priorities are, and their priorities are on making that Saudi money and not much yeah. else. Not, not giving us a good program on TV. Um, that being said... What's interesting to me here is more the crowd's reaction to some of this stuff because there's us sitting at home and being bored out of our minds by this this show, and then there's the people who are in the crowd who, by the end of the whole show, were really digging what they were seeing. So, you know, there is some validity to them pleasing a live audience and doing that, but the problem is, is that they're not making good TV. No. And also from what I hear from the live audience, they're not making a good live show either because they're having so many times where they pause stuff for recaps or they pause for the TV audience for commercials or whatever, and they don't have a good flow to the whole show. So at least they were able to get the audience invested in a couple of segments here. But, you know, from and, and those listeners that we have that have been to their live shows recently, please chime in. Do you feel like their, their live uh, product right now is better or worse than it's been you know because what i've been hearing is that it's kind of like great we got pyro back but then now we're sitting for 10 minutes between segments sometimes waiting for something to happen yeah so but at least we open this show with a crowd pleasing moment at least some people we had ms tv with members of team hogan and team flair and of course hulk hogan and Ric Flair in the ring, too. Oh, and Jimmy, the mouth of the South heart, was there, too, but had, no one really gave a crap about him because he was just standing. He was, <laughs> had nothing to do. Just standing back there reacting. Waving his horn around. Great. Thanks, Great. For, thanks, Jimmy. Thanks for showing up, Jimmy. Hey, man, he made a paycheck, so I can't be too mad at him about that. Uh, Ric Flair seemed like he was back on the sauce. Maybe that was just me, but his those promo skills he was showing off last week, they're gone. He's back to 
blathering on about some stuff. We have no idea what the hell he's talking about. Hulk Hogan's promo game was very strong. It was. Unfortunately, they were, unfortunately they were they were positioning him as the face, and a lot of people in the audience still apparently not ready to forgive the Hulkster because he was catching as many boos as he was cheers half the time. Um, so uh, right off the bat, Nick, I, I do want to ask a small question about that. Is it a little bit tone deaf to so blatantly make Flair the heel and Hogan the face in this? Um. I don't know if that's like, the that's, way. I think people are kind of just getting indifferent and and tired of of this already. Like we're gonna have to go through all of this again, guys, in about a month when we start building for Survivor Series. Not even a month, three weeks, two three weeks. Right after this is Survivor Series in a, in a couple of weeks. We're gonna be doing all this all over again. So I, I don't understand wh- why we're doing this at. And, and Ric Flair drops Saudi, Saudi Arabia, a couple more times again this week. I, you know, I, so I don't know why they keep. I just I keep roll. It's eye roll worthy at this point for me, where I'm just like, oh god, ah, uh, uh, you know, Miz lit that place up to open the show. He uh, from a promo standpoint, he absolutely blew the doors off of that place, introducing Hogan and Flair for what it was. But at the end of the day, those two guys just. And uh, it was just all scripted, and I'm eye rolling, and I'm just uh, I don't care, and I just I'm not invested. I just don't care, and it's hard for me to spend yeah. two hours watching a program on a Friday night when I've got twenty other things to do, <laughs> like I don't know, get ready and pack and come to put all my tech, tear everything down so that I could come to Vegas and have a trade show. There's all kinds of stuff going on. But I've got no. I've got to sit here and watch Hogan and Flair go at each other and call each other petty names for for the first twenty minutes yeah. of the show. Come and, on! And then the the point of the show then became you know Hogan and Flair want to have a preview of the Saudi Arabia match, yeah, which is obviously blatantly trying to advertise that show. And uh, you've only got you've got uh, what it was it was King Corbin, Sami Zayn, and Shinsuke Nakamura standing with Flair. And you had Roman Reigns, Ali, and Chad Gable, who I refuse to call Shorty G. I don't, I don't care, WWE. I'm not doing it. Not on my show. He's still Chad Gable, and you can blow me. Uh, I'm, yeah, sorry. I'm not calling him Shorty G. I don't care what kind of neon John Cena basketball outfit you put him in. He's still Chad Gable, and your stupid gimmick is not happening on, on the show. Sorry, it's yeah, not. Shorty G. That's funny. But, uh, yeah. yeah, not to me. It's stupid. It is. <laughs> I don't care if it's, it's horrible. I don't care if it's getting him over. They're getting him over by 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 booking him a lot, having him on TV a lot. It's not because of his stupid name. Sorry, uh, not sorry. So this all ended up with uh, you know saying, well, let's have a match right now. And of course, Flair's team begs off, uh, and Sammy says, yeah, we'd love to have a match, except I'm not competing right now because I tweaked my neck. But tell you what, we'll have a match later, and this guy can sub for me. Oh, it's this guy. You're all excited. It's Cesaro who has a really unexciting entrance, and the whole crowd just kind of went, oh, okay, yeah. cool. Which is too bad, because he should be excited about Cesaro. It's freaking Cesaro. He took his gear off, put his mouthpiece in, and just That's marched every- down to the ring like he was ready to whoop some ass. But no, they stopped it. Ugh. Yeah. It was it was great. I mean, it's this, that should have been something that was really like, the audience should have been like, yeah, Cesaro. Uh, especially the way he acted and everything. But that, but they've been conditioned. They've been conditioned to not give a crap about Cesaro, and so sure enough, they didn't. They didn't give a crap about him. Yep. So yeah, so we had a little brawl here and ended up in a three-on-three match in the main event. And as we said before, the crowd loved it. It was a totally standard WWE six-man match, like just note for note. 
with the possible exception of at the end, after Roman Reigns gets all of his shine and Superman punches everybody and spears the hell out of Cesaro, he tags in Ali and Ali gets the 450 splash on Cesaro for the one, two, three. Oh, how nice of you, Roman Reigns. You're going to give somebody else the pinfall. Okay, well, I, fine. The crowd loved it at the, at the place. I was bored out of my mind for all this, Nick. And it's maybe because I watched so much of this and I've seen it so many damn times. But that's kind of my point here is, am I being jaded because I've seen it so many times and I should look at the live crowd and how much they're enjoying it and people who can just set aside all of that jadedness and just enjoy an exciting match for what it is. You're not wrong, but you're like, looking at it from the wrong perspective, and here's why. Okay. We, we've <laughs> just spent the last hour and 40 minutes getting a hour and 40-minute Crown Jewel commercial. Not to mention the number of commercials that, to be fair, both AEW, NXT, and WWE have all amped up this week. Like there was a there was a significant difference in the number of commercials that was going on this week. Uh, monetize that audience while they can, I guess. But after an hour and forty minute commercial, you're pretty excited when some dudes actually put on a wrestling match. So I maybe that was just this kind of elation that oh god, we're finally seeing a match. Uh, that's my take on it. You know, I enjoyed it for what it was, but I'm with you. It's very formulaic. It was very by the numbers. Uh, it w- I thought it was a decent moment at the end of the match to you know set Ali up for the 450 splash to take the pin. Obviously, there's somebody's high on him backstage again. So I, I don't, you know, it's fine. It is what it was. the uh, The first hour and 40 minutes was absolute hot garbage. And I, I can't. I if we didn't do this show, I would actively be anti-crown jewel because we kind of already are anti-crown jewel we just have to cover it because it's our job if you didn't want to and the listeners didn't want to hear it i would be okay with never talking about another saudi arabian event ever again on this show yeah in my opinion a title has to change hands at this event for anyone to give a crap about them ever in the future and it's not going to i i agree i think i we will see um honestly one of their segments of the show i was entertained by was the segment that came right before the main event and that was the supposed face-off between Cain Velasquez and Brock Lesnar. Rey Mysterio came out to the ring and said, uh, you know, the usual thing where, hey, man, I've got Cain Velasquez in my corner now. Brock Lesnar beat up my son. That's really messed up. Cain's going to even the score and give Brock another scar on the other side of his face. Oh, yay. Uh, except then Brock and Paul show up on the, on the Titantron and say, you didn't think we were actually going to meet you face-to-face, did you? We're not. We're back here doing something. And Ray's like, that's great. Come out here. And Paul's like, you're not even going to ask what we're doing? Ray's like, no, come out here. And Paul's like, well, you should probably ask what we're doing because what we're doing is beating up your son. And they held up Dominic's corpse. And, of course, Ray and Kane go, oh, my God. And they run to the back to, to beat up that dastardly Brock Lesnar for beating up Dominic again. Only Brock totally ambushes them and destroys the both of them. Ray gets tossed against the wall. Cain Velasquez eats his first ever F5 onto the corpse of Dominic. Uh, That was it. And then afterwards, you had Cain Velasquez screaming at the camera after he recovered that he was going to kill Brock Lesnar. Of course, he was saying in Spanish. Right. He's saying he's going to kill Brock Lesnar. I thought that was good stuff. This is the Brock that we all like. Forgive me if I'm assuming here, but I think this is the kind of Brock Lesnar that we remember from the mid-2000s that was just an absolute monster and this is the kind of brock lesnar i want brock lesnar to be sure and every time and you say this every time he does something where he just causes absolute rampant destruction you go i like that that's all i want just just be that brock lesnar like give zero f's and just destroy 
No, Cold he gives five. Smash. He gives five Fs. Five Fs, Nick. Yeah, five Fs. Yeah. <laughs> Not zero. Kane, actually, I guess that five-year deal gets you a new Tron, or at least a better one than Cesaro that's put 10 years into the company. Um, <laughs> so he had a nice rainbowy, flashy, epilepsy-inducing Tron that can't... That, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm know. not sure if I like his music yet or not. I'm not sure if I'm down with his music yet or not. Like, on half of it, I was like, all right, that's kind of, that's kind of bang. And the other half, I'm like... It's kind of formulaic and dumb. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a little still, formulaic still, mariachi thing that's going on. I'm, you know? I'm, just, I'm waiting to see. I did like him promoing in Spanish. I like the fact that it's let just, yeah, go promo in Spanish. That's yeah. great. And it's simple. And simple enough that I think an English speaking audience knows exactly what the hell he's saying. Right? Yeah. We all know what Matar means. <laughs> he's going to kill somebody. Yeah. Uh, and also, I like the fact, I like, here's the thing. I would like all of this, if not for two things. One, Brock's the champion. Belt doesn't need to be involved in this. This is a grudge match between a father and his, the, you know, the father's best friend and their nemesis who's, who's hurting that father's son. You don't need a damn belt on that. No. That's one thing. Two, the fact that it's for the belt and it's two MMA guys, one of whom has been with the company for a long time but doesn't really seem like he's got a whole lot of reason to show up all the time, even though I understand why they do that from a business standpoint. It's still... It, it's it's obviously going to great with a lot of fans. Yeah, and then you have another guy who you just signed and have made into the biggest thing in the company, even though he's never wrestled a match in WWE and he's barely wrestled a match ever. Um, but all of a sudden you're jettisoning, you're jetting up to the top because he's big in the world of MMA. Um, if this wasn't between two MMA guys and if it wasn't for the belt. I would think this was absolutely awesome. I'm fine with it being two MMA things, guys. I agree with you on the belt. The belt doesn't need to be involved with this. You just ripped it off of Co- Kofi Kingston for for this. Oh, so that that's what I ultimately come down to is that's what we're getting after a great run and reign by Kofi Kingston and all of the work that went into that to building that up. You just all throughout 2019, literally well, for get- almost the entire year, you've now thrown it away for something that makes the title sort of irrelevant. Well, and this is this is that's kind of what I'm saying is is having the title involved in this is irrelevant when it should just be a match about two guys who hate each other, and I'm fine with it being two MMA guys. But the fact that it's at the top of the card and that you're already actively pushing this MMA guy over everybody else in your company, right? That rubs me the wrong way because I feel bad for everyone else who is who you're paying and you're just basically bearing it because this guy is more of a big name outside of your of your company because you ha- you haven't been able to build your own guys up to his level. Anyway, that's, that's, that's been done forever. So yeah, yeah, that's been done. We've talked about that ad nauseum everyone has. But the thing that you brought up I want to talk about is Kofi Kingston because he had a match yeah. on this show. You had the New, the New Day and Big E. Uh, sorry, Kofi Kingston and Big E from the New Day versus Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler. Uh, Robert Roode, excuse me, Rudolph. And for utterly meaningless. And it was, the whole thing was just was Ziggler and, and Rude won, and then every other tag team came running out to get involved, and there was a big scuffle. And by the way, there's a tag team turmoil match at Saudi Arabia. Literally the only point of this match. Yep. Which, and Kofi was just, no, nah, no, no, no big deal. I'm out here tossing pancakes. I'm just a, a, a glorified mid-carter again. I'm a pancake-throwing mid-carter again. Unbelievable. I, I, I feel bad for ever caring for that whole Kofi angle. Like, that's, that's what WWE has taught me Again, and this is this is an ongoing thing. This is just the most egregious example in recent memory, and just all the things that they've been doing in the in the auxiliary. You know, they have com- we've completely pushed aside the fact that Kofi Kingston was even a champion at all. The only thing, the only vestigial aspect we have left of it 
is the fact that he's the first guy coming out of the big, weird, blue spaceship that's trying to crush a crowd at the SmackDown intro. So, yeah, that's that was frustrating. And what's even more frustrating is apparently next week on SmackDown, we've got uh, Revival versus New Day for the tag championships. Did the New Day not just lose to Rude and Ziggler? Why do they get a, sh- a title shot? I have shot? no idea Has- why is Rudolph even still a thing, honestly, in my opinion. Hashtag WWE yep. logic. That being said, one other thing I liked about the show. Let's get, the, let's get some good stuff in here, too, so we're not all doom and gloom. Daniel Bryan came out to address whether or not the Yes Movement was completely dead, as he proclaimed it a few months back, and who should come out to interrupt his uh, interview but Shinsuke Nakamura and Sami Zayn. I liked this segment because Sammy called out everything that's been happening recently with Daniel Bryan from his heel turn, his turning on the fans, et cetera, and said, well, if that's the case, buddy, why don't you join us? And they held out their hands like, hey, man, join up with us. And Daniel Bryan no sold it, walked between them and walked away, looking like he was deep in thought. Mm. And uh, Sammy and Nakamura were sitting there. Ah, he'll come back. He'll come back around. So. Uh, this to me looks like we're building a Daniel Bryan Shinsuke Nakamura feud. We're obviously they're on the road to trying to make Daniel Bryan a face again. Whether or not that will include all the trappings of his last face run, the Yes Movement, and all the rest of that remains to be seen. I kind of hope not. I like serious face Daniel Bryan if they're going to do it. I prefer serious heel Daniel Bryan, but whatever. If if that's done with, then at least serious face Daniel Bryan against Shinsuke Nakamura, a man who he has a lot of history with in real life. So. I could be really excited about a Daniel Bryan Shinsuke Nakamura feud. How about you? Uh, that I would be all in for. Uh, they would try and kick each other to death as long as it doesn't descend into dick punches, which it might. You know, you've still got <laughs> Daniel Bryan in this pseudo heel persona that he's been running all year, and here's Shinsuke Nakamura who is full on heel with Sami Zayn in his corner. Does Debray sound good in an Intercontinental Title picture? Absolutely, he does. I, I'm, oh, I'm yes, all does. for that. I just don't know if this is the right time to do that. Are we done with the Roman thing now? All of a sudden, uh, so no. Roman looks like he's going for. From what I saw, they're having a lot of interaction between Roman and Corbin, mm. uh, at least in the six man tag. And then after the show on backstage, Roman was attacked by Corbin right. uh, during the backstage show. And they've already announced next week on SmackDown, Roman Reigns versus Baron Corbin. So there you go. Mm. Um, as we suspected last week, it will be Roman and Corbin and Daniel Bryan, Shinsuke Nakamura. All right, let's see how that shakes out. It could I'm not be mad worse. at all that. Well, here, how, how, how about this? They brought the Firefly Funhouse back, and basically by the end of the episode, everything was back to normal. They established that nothing had been burned down. Ramlin Rabbit was dead at the beginning of the show, strangely enough, with a giant wound in his head, not because he was burned. Interesting. But he came back to life magically in the middle of the show and then was, by the end of the show, being eaten by Mercy the Vulture. So what did you think about the reset button kind of action that they did on uh, Firefly Funhouse? Two things. One, it stunk of vents. It absolutely stunk of vents. Oh, they'll, they'll forget think? about it. Oh, just bring the rabbit character back. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, Mercy. That's that was that was my whole. This it, was probably. I didn't like this one at all. I honestly didn't. No. Really, and I, and I don't know I, where it's I going now because they pulled like, the, they pulled the wind out from its sails by having Seth set fire to it. So now we we don't yeah, get any I, of I the agree. fiend in between. Who you would think that that would somehow like uh, manifest the fiend with Seth burning down the Firefly Funhouse, but at the same time. Where is he? The lack of consequences were what bugged yeah. me. I didn't have a problem with this reset episode. If you're going to just hit reset, 
all right, fine. This was fun. Like we got to see how Ramblin' Rabbit comes back from the dead. Um, you know, there were the fact that Bray used the heel glove on him. All of that was interesting stuff, but the fact that there were no consequences that that kind of sticks in my craw a little bit. And they bit just killed him off because, again by letting Mercy eat him. Oh, Mercy. Well, but that's right. But that's kind of that's his character. All right, that's that's a trope that's been around for a long Fine. time, and it's kind of fun. It's the, it's the who killed Kenny, yeah. right? Oh, you bastards! Um, but but with this particular thing, you know, the whole idea was Seth Rollins was trying to get under Bray's skin, and having Bray, you know, crying when he was doing it, and all the rest of it. Like, where did all that go? You had all this equity that we could have had, and it was yeah. gone. So that that was a bit disappointing. But curious to see where they're going from here. I have a feeling they're going to completely bungle the Saudi Arabia quote unquote angle and whatever they're doing after that. But this, this at least put it, let's, let's, let's leave it at this, Nick, at least they didn't cancel the funhouse, right? Cause we were saying if it's gone, gone, that's a, that's a terrible idea. Hold on to your, hold on to your butts least, folks. This is about to get a lot worse over the next three to four weeks. All right. I, I, I'm just glad that Firefly Funhouse is back. I'm just disappointed. There was no consequences for Seth burning it down. There were apparently consequences for uh, for Drew Gulak trying to show a PowerPoint presentation of how Braun's going to get knocked out by Tyson Fury, which he totally is. Um, and uh, Gulak was supposed to have a match with Kalisto uh, coming out with all of his pinatas and colorful Mexican sabor. But uh, yeah, Drew Gulak tried to have this match. Started off as a match. Braun came out, scared the pants off of Gulak. Gulak ate a Salida del Sol. He gets squashed again. Braun kills him again. Screams at Tyson Fury. That's the segment. Oh, so glad Drew Gulak didn't get pulled to NXT or is still not in 205 Live. So glad Vince got his hands back on him. He's back to doing PowerPoint presentations and getting squashed. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I'm very curious to see what happens to Gulak once he's done putting over Braun here. So yeah. nothing more to say nope. about that. Uh, Nikki. Nikki Cross. She's got a match with Mandy Rose. <laughs> at eight. Well, it was a match. And Bailey... She was on commentary with Sasha Banks, and it was fine. It was all well and good. Uh, Mandy wins, and now she's going to face Bailey. And that was the thing. Um, as I wrote in my notes, Nick, do you want to do you want to read what I wrote in my notes there? Day ye can that Bailey has a chance against Nikki. <laughs> Close enough. We'll get you to do a Scottish accent okay. yet. Probably not. But uh, I'll try. You, so do. So do you think that Bailey has a chance against Nikki? Like, uh, do you think that Nikki's going to win this or is Nikki just being set up to take, to take the fall against Bailey like they yeah, always do? Yeah, just being set up to take the fall. You, you just turned Bailey. You just turned arguably one of the faciest of faces heel and buried her entire gimmick for the last decade. Uh, you're not going to take the title off of her right now. No. But my question is, Sasha was sitting there on commentary just basically being window dressing. What's What are they thinking with Sasha? I, I don't know. I, th- I, th- I think they're writing it 30 minutes before the show, you know? <laughs> yeah, she's losing to Bailey and Hell in a Cell, and now she's be- uh, she's Becky's little buddy, or Bailey's little buddy. That's just, uh, that's just, that's just, I don't know what the hell's going on here. Uh, maybe they're eventually trying to get a, a turn, but then that turns Bailey face. I don't know. I don't, I don't think they know. Yeah, if, if it's not clear yet, guys, I was completely disgusted by this show last night. It, it was awful. There was nothing positive what about, that came out what of What about Lacey Evans? Lacey Evans comes out and squashes Cameron Connors. Uh, I like the way that they did this with Lacey coming out and saying, 
I don't even have to face you. You're nasty. I'm just going to walk away. You can take the victory. And she starts walking away, and the ref starts counting, and then Cameron starts counting, and they get to about eight, and Cameron turns around. She's so happy she's going to get a quick victory over Lacey Evans, and Lacey turns and runs back in. One punch KO, one, two, three on Cameron. Uh, was that a fun, like, because like, this is my opinion, Nick, and I want to hear yours. I thought that that was a quick, easy way to give Lacey a squash, show her character, and, and play to her strengths. Yeah. No, you got a lot of story in there. Without, you got a lot of personality you know I mean? in there in you know, five minutes, and, and it was good. Exactly. Yeah. This is what they should have been doing instead of having her cat walk out for three months. Yes. Is this kind yes, of thing. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Okay. That's, this is the proper use of Lacey. 100%. Evans, yeah, th- this is the way to use her. Yeah, so uh, what, you know, was it right to bring her out right away and put her in a feud with Becky uh, for a title? Probably not. It should have been this kind of stuff. Yeah, this, that was a terrible idea. They should have been building her for three months as opposed to having her cat walk out. Agreed. So at least they used her right on this episode of SmackDown, which was a hot dumpster fire, especially coming after what a, what a really solid raw it was this week. So I'm very nervous for SmackDown, given what we've seen so far since they've gone to Fox. They, have, they, they should be a lot more worried about their product right now than it appears that they are. Just my yep. two cents. Uh, as we said, next week on Friday Night SmackDown, we've got Bailey, Mandy, and Sonya tag, tagging up between Nick, against Nikki, Dana, and Carmella. Uh, we got Roman Reigns versus Baron Corbin. We have the Revival versus the New Day for the tag championships, as I said. And Bray Wyatt will be on Miz TV. Interesting. Mm. That should be. So we uh, are going to get the Mr. Rogers Bray Wyatt, uh, the Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt, actually in the ring now and not on the Tron. That could be interesting. That's a first. One one would assume. Yeah. One would assume. So I'm, I'm here's what they do there uh, on Raw. Some interesting decisions that they've announced. Becky will face off against Kyrie Sane. Remember that Becky ate the pin from Kyrie in a tag match a couple weeks ago. So that actually does make a little bit of sense. Kyrie did pin the champs, so she's getting a shot. It's non-title, so this match will be for the... T- so they're actually making some sense on Raw. Uh, Seth is going to have a match with Rowan in a Falls Count Anywhere match, which I think is just going to be promoting the fact that he's fighting Bray Wyatt at Saudi Arabia. Um, and in probably the worst idea I've ever heard, we're having Rusev and Lana uh, with Jerry the King Lawler, Lawler, not on King's Court, but on Divorce Court. Sounds like a great go-home show for a Saudi Arabia show. Yeah. Can't, can't freaking wait. I can't wait to see that. But hey, <laughs> things do get better for, for, for this week, guys, because that's it for SmackDown Live and what we have to look forward to for Raw, unfortunately. But the good news is we've still got to go over and talk about NWA Power. So really quickly, like if you didn't, it's an hour-long show. If you didn't watch this, I really recommend it. They're having a lot of fun over an NWA power. Uh, it's just it's just an old-school presentation. They even have old-school style commercials. It is just a, a bunch of fun. I don't know that we're going to be doing their storylines every week here on the show, um, but just this week I thought it would be fun to just kind of let everyone know that, kind of what was going on. You had a women's match. Marty Bell defeats Crystal Rose. It felt like... You know, a, a lower tier women's match. Marty Bell, I, I'm not really sure what their plans with her. She lost to their champ, Allison K, last week. So this is maybe a comeback match or a 50 50 booking. I don't know. It was weird. But they are having Thunder Rosa showing up soon. So maybe that will help their women's division, which I think it I think needs it. I think needs it. Uh, so Kingston and Homicide are currently uh, in a feud with the Dawsons. I love how they're building this right now with uh, Kingston and Homicide just 
yelling about like, you know, we could make this a street fight, but we're trying to, you know, we're here in the NWA. If you guys want to really be the NWA, you'll give us a match with these guys. And the Dawson's just refusing to fight them. Uh, and that's a lot nice. of fun. The Dawson's ended up in a match. So actually, I'm going to save that because that's that's part of the rest of the show is the fact that the show was called The Twilight of Tim Storm. And if you've been following NWA, Tim Storm went from the champ to losing to Nick Aldis, and he kind of lost his way a little bit. And the first episode, he had a last chance match against Nick Aldis, where if he lost, he'd never be able to challenge for the NWA championship again. Uh, so he lost that match. And so we didn't know what his future held this week. And he came out very dejected and who should come out to try and perk him up. But Eli Drake, whose whole gimmick has been a skeezy guy who's going to do anything he can to get a title shot while pretending to be a nice guy, which I'm, I'm loving what they're doing with Eli Drake. Yeah. Uh, I, don't know if, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you knew Eli Drake from before this, Nick, but the guy is a, a serious talent. I, I did I think not. I definitely know who Tim Storm is, but I had not seen Eli Drake before this episode. He's killing it. He's killing it right now in NWA. Um, I love the angle they're taking with his character where he's basically going to anybody saying, okay, hey, James Storm, you know, you're the man right now. You're the, you're the champ. You got people lined up for your championship. Maybe I could be in that line. And hey, if you go for the main championship, remember your boy, you know, I could be in line for that too. And then this week, he's coming up to Tim Storm and like, Tim, I know you, you're feeling down on yourself. You, you kind of want to, you kind of want to quit, but I'm saying don't quit because there's still something you can do because there's those two shiny tag belts we could go for those. Like, why don't you and me team up, become a tag team? We go for the tag belts. So I love that. I love the, the character of Eli Drake. It's almost like, like the little devil on your can. shoulder in a way. Yeah, yeah, I'm loving what they're doing with him. And he, he convinces Tim Storm to join up in a tag team. They face off with the Dawsons. Uh, the Dawsons end up outsmarting them and pinning Tim Storm. And the show went off air with uh, Aldis coming out to check on Tim Storm, who was pretty messed up by the Dawsons. After the Dawsons got chased off, by Kingston and Homicide. So they're doing a nice little bit of blending everything on that top level there. Uh, we also had Aaron Stevens, the former Damien Samdow, come out and promote his new movie, which is called Tropical Pirates. He's dressed in a, tropi- in a, in a pirate outfit. Okay. <laughs> um, this segment didn't quite work for me. I, I honestly i am feeling like I was excited when Aaron Stevens came out last week. I was like, cool, what are they going to do with him? This just felt like a poor man's Miz. And considering how long he was Mizdow, one would think he would try to get as far away from that gimmick as possible, but I'm not. I'm not digging what I'm seeing from Aaron Stevenson. Well, so it sounds like he exactly. is trying to do that by being a tropical pirate. No, yeah. Well, but he's saying like to go check out my movie. I'm a movie star. Look at my acting. Uh, okay. Yeah, I see what you you're know? saying. Yeah, I, that's not the right way he needs. But I don't want him to go back to the intellectual gimmick either. You know, he's already kind of. Yeah, but he's that's what I know. He's kind of doing. I know. It. I know. I don't know what else yeah. to do with him. Yeah. So a couple more things they had this week. Uh, Caleb Conley is kind of an up and comer. Uh, he had a match with Canadian Dan Parker, who I'm sorry when when Jim Cornette comes out and says that he doesn't feel like half the AEW roster could whip cream with a chainsaw, <laughs> and then he puts people like Dan Parker on my screen. I have a hard time taking him seriously. Caleb Conley too. He's in pretty good shape, but he's not a big guy. Uh, but a guy can work. So this was a fun little match with Caleb Conley going over Dan Parker, who was obviously pretty much enhancement. Um, and then Josephus and Colt Cabana Uh-oh. end up having fun at uh, James Storm's expense. And uh, James Storm looks like he's heading for a match with Josephus at some point. But uh, Storm comes out, kicks the crap out of both guys, and walks away. I'm curious because Josephus is just better with the long hair. And ever since he was in that match where he was forced to shave his hair, he hasn't been quite as spooky. So I think they got to work a little bit on the Josephus presentation, yeah. is my opinion. 
And finally, uh, the champ champ, Nick Aldis, Mr. 10 Pounds of Gold, came out, uh, basically said no one's really ready for the number one contendership. He sees a lot of people who are almost there, but just doesn't quite see anybody, so maybe he'll have to go to other, uh, other promotions and find someone to challenge over there. Oh, and by the way, uh, you know, he's got his valet with him, and she never talks. Right. And, uh, and uh, Gally always tries to get her to talk. And she just won't talk. And finally this week, he just got a chance to ask her, like, why don't you talk? And she just didn't say anything. Yeah, everybody thinks that it's because so, Nick Aldis says that she can't talk. Right. But this, the, you know, Nick Aldis has stepped back and said, you know, there, she didn't talk. She'll talk when she wants to talk. All right, cool. We're gone. Interesting. I'm not sure what they're, quite there, what they're doing there with that, but it's interesting. It's keeping me hooked, and I'm looking forward to seeing more yeah. of it. So, yeah, NWA Power is putting on a really, if for an hour-long show, if you got an hour to spare, it's really entertaining. Yeah, it is. So little little love thrown there for NWA Power. I'm having a lot of fun with it, um, and it's it's a good just a good throwback show. Yeah, it is. Just so, it's a, it's good to go yeah. back to a studio again. I think is the that's one of the things I take away from it. It's a dynamic that the professional wrestling scene has kind of lost. Uh, in the in the last yeah. thirty years. So seeing this come back again is like, ooh, I remember when I saw uh, the Horseman. And Ric Flair, yeah. and oh, God, I forgot how good this was. Oh, yeah. Just, to, to paraphrase Finn Balor, this is kind of like going from Broadway to off-off-Broadway yeah. and seeing a nice intimate yep. theater, and, it, and sometimes that's the best theater. Well, Ian, that's our show for this week, but guys, we're not done yet. We've got just enough time for our other news lightning round. Beep, 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 beep. Yes, sir, as we always do around this point, we got to talk about the Wednesday night war. <laughs> it's a war, Nick. Don't you know it's a war? It's a ratings war. Well, whatever. The ratings are out this week. AEW, once again, in first place against NXT. Not It's fourth overall, but it was, you know, everyone's up against the, the World Series right yeah. now. Give it a, give it but, a month uh, let the numbers settle a little bit after all the sports exactly, ball ends. Exactly. But they were down overall. They were down 963,000 with a .45 in the 18 to 49. NXT, uh, they're a little bit closer. It was 698,000 with a .21. I don't know if you noticed, but that means that AEW doubled NXT in the most viable market, in the 18 to 49 market. That's brutal. That is br- like AEW brutalized. NXT was it two weeks ago you told me the, the median age of the NXT viewer was 55? That's 50, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's it's crazy wild. to me. It's, it's wild how low NXT is in the 18 to 49 demo. Like, that's, it's nuts. For them to pull in 698, but only have a .21 in the, in the 18 to 49, it's wild. Wow. Um, it, it could also show that a lot of people are watching it on the network, and I think that's more what that's it me. is. I so, watched it last night on the network. There you go. But fascinating numbers there. Uh, also, the Canadian and UK numbers are interesting. Uh, AEW did not face the Maple Leafs, but it still faced the World Series that did near Maple Leaf numbers. Uh, they had 150,000, 151,000 for AEW in Canada, which is really solid numbers. Because uh, I mean, Raw in Canada did 170. All right. But they did go up against the Maple Leafs. SmackDown did 125. So AEW is dead in the middle of Raw and SmackDown up in Canada. So, and, but I mean, now Raw and SmackDown do air on weaker stations, but AEW is doing real good in Canada, relatively speaking. What's crazy is, and I'm going I'm to well, quote when you've got Jericho and Kenny Omega, if not others, that are just that is pure a- Canadians, <laughs> right? <laughs> through and through. That's a good point. Yeah. You're not you're not like uh, like NWA and burying Canadians on your right. show. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, I'm going to quote Wrestling Observer here about the UK. 
WWE numbers have been bad, as the 10-14 Raw did 38,000 viewers, down from 48,000 for the 10-7 show that featured Tyson Fury, who is a huge name in the UK. SmackDown on 10-18 was down to 23,000 viewers. Raw on 10-21, this week, did 3,000 viewers. 3,000. It was so bad, people thought it was a computer glitch, but we're told the data was sound, and people are stunned with that rating. Uh, yeah, 3,000 people, only in the only 3,000 people in the UK watched Raw. God damn. That is brutal. I, the only, the only the caveat world? I want to put out there is that the Rugby World Final is going on, or the World, world Cup, Rugby World Cup. I don't want to talk about it because New, New Zealand's out, and yeah. that's my team. Congrats to England, really, by the way. Really, really pissed about. That. Speaking of the UK, congrats, guys! Yeah, congrats! Knocking the All Blacks out. Not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not happy about that. I, I'm. Mm, that sticks in my craw. I got to move on. All right. So, J.K. Oh, oh, I'm not cool with it. Uh, Jake Hager had a Bellator match last night, and we had a hell in a cell finish where his opponent was unable to continue, and the ref called the match. Unlike Hell in a Cell, it's, it seemed like Jake Hager had kneed the guy in the groin. He says he didn't feel a cup, so he's pretty sure uh, that it didn't actually happen. But, you know, who knows what he said. He said, Jake Hager says that his opponent, Anthony Garrett, did not want to fight. And that's why the fight was called. That's why he gave up. And uh, when asked if he would face him again, Hager said, I don't know. If he ever wants to actually fight, yeah then maybe, but I didn't feel like he had any fight left in him. I want to, I want to face people who actually want to fight because I'm a competitor. So I haven't seen the match, but I did hear that there were two dick punches from Hager that just pretty much knees, 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 um, knees. He was, he was, he had, he had him pinned up against the cage and threw a couple of knees. Um, he also, you know, he put over the fact that he didn't, you know, he wanted to do a stand-up game this time. He wanted to prove he could stand up and not just go to the mat and wrestle because he is, you know, an extremely good wrestler. Uh, believe he's, Trying to NC, yeah. NCAA. He, he was big in, in college. Absolutely. Yeah. He was huge. I forget. I forget what all accolades he got, but yeah. I know he's legit as hell. Um, but uh, yeah, so he was saying he wanted to prove that he could do a stand up match. And unfortunately, it was a no contest finish, but it kind of plays into his character a little bit. Uh, if you think about it, he did have the inner circle ringside. No Jericho, but everybody else was there and telling interviewers that they were going to jump the rail and stab Anthony Garrett. So. <laughs> Kayfabe is still real, guys. Um, Matt Seidel is back in Evolve, which means he's going again as Evan Bourne. Could we be seeing the re- the return of Evan Bourne to Maybe. WWE? If that's what that's what I read into this, Evan Bourne to NXT. Hello. Uh, the chances are there. That's very exciting news for anyone who yep. likes high flying. Uh, Miz apparently is inspiring Chad Gable in his Shorty G character. And by that, I mean Shorty, uh, Shorty G as a character was apparently conceived by Chad Gable with Vince McMahon. We still haven't heard uh, which one it is. Gable gave an interview where he basically said that he'd been meeting a lot with McMahon, bugging him about possible ideas of things he could do. And he kept coming in with serious ideas. And he never gave a chance to less serious ideas until The Miz basically said, look, it's about you. You go out there and make whatever works. So apparently The Miz really kind of talked Chad Gable into doing the Shorty G character from what we understand from this interview and is giving him positive uh, advice on it, which honestly, if you look at the Miz and the kind of uh, effort that he's put into getting pretty much anything over, he's the right guy to be talking to about it. So 
interesting stuff there. But don't take it away from the article that Miz's idea was a Shorty G character because that apparently no, that, is not that reeks of Vince. the case. Oh, uh, reeks to high heaven. Uh, speaking of which, speaking of inspirational things, William Regal tweeted something that I thought was great. He tweeted out, I've learned enough in my job to know the difference to acting and reacting. In more dramatic bouts, the people who react are better. I've just watched Joaquin Phoenix and Joker. He has produced the best reacting job I've ever seen. Spellbinding. And the thing I want to say about this is William Regal is one of the guys who's in charge of creative down in NXT. And if he's teaching guys down there to react instead of act, then that's the kind of thing I've been talking about for a long time where you get some real acting theory in your wrestling programs because anyone who's in wrestling should be learning how to act. And he's spot on the money. If you've done any acting training ever, you learn that the hardest thing to do is to react honestly. And if you want to see a great example of that, go look at the fact that Denzel Washington won his Oscar for training day, right? That's the one everyone thinks about. Oh, Denzel Washington, he was chewing up scenery. Go watch Ethan Hawke in that movie. All he does is react. That entire movie, all he does is react. And he's doing a way better, way more difficult acting job than an Oscar award-winning performance by Denzel Washington. So I think it's great that Regal's calling that out as something that he's now noticing because it gives me hope that that's something that's going to be coming to NXT. It's a really good point. It, yeah, it really is. So it uh, makes me really, really excited for more NXT if Regal has his way with that. Uh, there is video on TMZ of Jimmy Uso's DUIRS. Have you seen this yet, Nick? Oh, God. you watch this? No, and I, no, nor will I. I, I no. Nor will I. Okay, good, because it's pretty embarrassing. Dude was ham-boned. I think we've had it posted on our Facebook discussion group if y'all are interested. Uh, I hope he gets some help. That's all I'll say about that. Well, Go get some help, dude. probably where they are right now. That's where the Usos are right now. One would hope. Laparca needed more surgery on his neck. Uh, his uh, C4 vertebrae apparently was... was uh, something was wrong with it. He broke his neck was the report that we were getting. Uh, so he needed to get more surgery. It's still uncertain about his future right now. We don't know what kind of permanent damage is going to be happening with Laparca. But uh, best wishes to him and hope he gets better very quickly. He is a living legend. Uh, over in Impact News, there will be a Brian Cage and Sammy Callahan rematch on the AXS TV debut, the AXS TV debut of Impact. Sadly, I've already had the outcome spoiled for me, so be careful about spoilers out there. But yeah, Cage and Callahan, round two for the championship for the AXS TV debut. Also, Impact mm. News, Ace, Ace Romero signed to Impact. After that bump, he took it bound for glory. They better damn well sign that boy. No kidding. Sign him. So that's awesome. Ace Romero now on contract. Pay that man his money. (laughs) Pay this man his money. He will splash the pot whenever he likes. And finally, AEW got themselves a legit boxer too. It's not just Tyson Fury and WWE. Uh, Olympic bronze medalist Anthony Agogo has officially signed with AEW and already started an angle with, with, uh, with, uh, uh, oh, who did he punch out? I just, uh, MJF, he punched out in the middle of a ring. So MJF wow. said, you can't knock me out, and he just KO'd him. So great stuff. Uh, Anthony Gogo has been talking about getting into wrestling for a while. He's been training for a while. I think, honestly, having seen some of his promo work, I'm excited to see this guy come in. So keep your eyes yeah. out for Anthony Gogo in AEW. And that is the news, Nick. Well, thank you very much, Surrey and Dangerous. And thank you guys for hanging out with us today on this show. Even though we're not live, uh, I'm certainly missing it at this point. I've already gotten yelled at by the hotel staff for being too loud. So there we go. It was a <gasps> fun show. Oh, no. How dare I be so loud? How dare you? But guys, so forgive me if I'm being a little bit quieter right now. So guys, if you want to come and join us, head over to Facebook.com. Search for Busted Wide Open. Send us, like our page and send us a join request to get into the group. It is the hub 
hub of our operation over there, and we absolutely love having everybody in there. Thank you very much for everybody for hanging out in there, but you also want to get into our Discord server. That's our online community where everything is live all the time, all live, all the time, all live chats in different channels, every spoilerific content, etc. So if you want to post spoilers, you want to talk about happenings that go on throughout the week or at pay-per-views, the Discord server is in community is the place to be. Make sure you're in there. You can also follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast, streaming live, except for this week, uh, on YouTube at youtube.com slash busted wide open. You can find all kinds of good content. We're on the race to a thousand subscribers, so make sure you hit that subscription button and hit the little notification bell so you get alerted anytime we put up new videos, which is going to be happening a lot more coming soon, as well as events when we schedule that will be going live throughout the week. By the way, Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, Saturdays, 3 p.m. Eastern. That's when we do our live shows on YouTube, so you make sure you're subscribed so you get those notifications and you can come and join us in the chat as we record the show. Last but certainly not least, thank you to all of our patrons. Uh, if you'd like to get involved with this, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers to get the ability to ask listener questions, uh, get a copy of the show notes for every single episode, uh, and at the $10 tier, you even get bonus episodes every single month. So you don't want to miss out on that over at patreon.com slash BWO. My name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at DatacenterDude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. And Nick, if you need to be quiet during this part, why don't you whisper your part right here? By God! But somebody stop the damn man! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out. OrbitalJigsaw.com